Seeger smashes the ball down line. Goodbye. Three to nothing, Texas. Here's Malkin again. First penalty over. Out of the box. McTavish tipped to him. Short-handed. Score! Mason McTavish. A short-handed goal with 12 seconds left. And the Ducks lead 4-3. Unbelievable. Dan Skipper comes in at left guard as they hand to Gibbs. And Gibbs breaks it. Touchdown. What a night for the rookie. Wow. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. All right, here we go. Saul 40 for October the 31st. Halloween. Ooh, it's scary. We've got a spooktacular show for you, Duke, today. Uh, that's about the impressions that I'll, the, the last of the impressions for Halloween that I'll do. But, um, man, it's going to be good for the kids today. Uh, all the trick-and-treating, uh, plus six, probably by the time they get out there, you know. Uh, probably a little cooler, but uh, plus six for a high today. So that's really good compared to where we were uh, last week. The Oilers had a day off yesterday. Back at it. Today for practice to get ready for the Dallas Stars Thursday uh, at Rogers and then uh, Nashville's here on Saturday. Uh, Dallas, by the way, played last night and beat Columbus 5-3. So the Stars come in, one of the top teams in the league, 5-1-1. The Oilers, of course, uh, come in with a record of 2 Five and one. Uh, how about uh, Vegas? Keep rolling the Golden Knights with another win last night, beating the Montreal Canadiens 3 2 in a shootout. That means uh, Vegas off to a 9 0 1 start. 9 0 1. That's 19 points, first 10 games. Uh, in the annals of NHL history, that uh, record, the 9 0 1 mark, the most points in NHL history for a team. Uh, that is coming off a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, the most points, 19 points in 10 games. Uh, Oilers with five points. That's a big deficit to climb out of. Uh, they are going to be in chase mode for a long time because of uh, the difference in starts uh, this year. How about the two games last night? Oh, the Duke, your buddy. Jamar Gibbs first. Let's be- we'll talk football before the uh, Major League Baseball game because I think a lot of people are up. No, they're just the umpiring in baseball. That ninth inning. Uh, here I said we we're going to do baseball a second, but let's just because you're your buddy Jamar Gibbs. You're you've been all over him for for basically eight weeks, and he comes through with a massive game for you last night for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, we saw him uh, kind of start to take some pretty meaningful strides forward in terms of contributions uh, last week with Montgomery out of the lineup. And then I think he could pretty safely call last night's performance a breakout one for the mm-hmm. 12th overall pick. He, um, he was catching the ball again, not quite as many receptions as, uh, as last week, but a lot more yards on the ground. The 27-yard scamper breaking a tackle for the touchdown. And uh, overall, the game, I mean... Not the most exciting. I think it was a lot closer for the majority of it than people probably would have expected. The Lions kind of didn't seem to be able to really put them away until the uh, the fourth quarter there. But it, uh, I kind of was flicking around. I had the 
split screen up on the TV <laughs> watching hockey and baseball and then the football game on my laptop sitting uh, in front of me as well. So uh, taking in a little bit of everything and across the board, there was plenty of entertainment. The uh, I think nine, eight or nine of the 11 games in the NHL last night were one score games or, or something. I can't remember the exact totals, but they, they, all yeah. but two of the games in the NHL last night were one score. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't Chicago and Arizona. No, no, that, uh, <laughs> was that one, one was not. Uh, Connor Bedard scored his fourth goal of the season, and then uh, the Coyotes just pasted the Hawks from there. Uh, eight won the final. Seven so, of the nine games. So seven of nine. Seven of the nine one score games last. So night. Gibbs had 152 on the ground, 37 through the air, plus the touchdown, almost 30 points in uh, PPR league. Uh, that was the first Monday night game in Detroit in 2018. That's how bad the Lions have been. Uh, and, you know, you don't go to places where they're bad teams uh, as far as when you're doing the broadcast games and scheduling and things like that. So, but I'll tell you what, Detroit, as you said, they, uh, there was almost 500 yards of offense. Uh, I can't believe that even this was remotely close. This should have been wiped out. Detroit, even though with a 6-2 and two record, the Lions make some serious errors still. Uh, the pick six by uh, Jared Goff that, you know, <laughs> Vegas was totally out of the game. The fumble earlier in the game. So they have to clean a, a few of these things up, be a little more efficient in the red zone. And then Detroit. Then you can mention them with the Eagles and teams like that. So we'll see what happens with uh, Detroit moving forward on a bye now, I think. so. Um, Major League Baseball. So. Even we were getting texts last night. The World Series highlights uh, the need to take the ball and the strike calls out of the umpire's hands or take the strike zone box off the screen. I'm not... The, the strike zone box, I kind of like, but, I mean, in, in the ninth inning, that at-bat by Gabby Marino just highlighted... That was a microcosm of what's wrong with... Uh, it, it's such a crucial time. First of all, it tilted the count heavily in favor of... Marino Leclerc's going. Well, what's what am I doing here? Like that was a perfect pitch. Would have been one and one. Then, if you kind of you know rejig the balls and strikes, technically it wouldn't have been a walk because that other pitch should have been a strike. The pitch that was a foot outside gets called a strike. Marino's on his way to first. There's no way you can get your head back in it. No way you can get your head back in it to figure out where exactly you want to go. Uh, you know to to finish out your at bat. Uh, 3-1, Texas wins it. That's the ninth straight win for the Rangers on the road. Sets a major league record. But Adolis Garcia left with a, probably an oblique strain, you would think. Now what? So if he comes out of the lineup, I can't see him playing. If, if, he, if you look at how much pain he would look to be in, and I mean, there's... That guy's ripped. I mean, uh, there's a lot of muscle there, Duke. So, I mean, if he's uh, if he's in any amount of pain, I mean, you saw Jordan Alvarez miss six weeks with an oblique strain for Houston earlier in the season. If if he's gone now, you got to make some changes to that lineup. And the biggest thing you have to you have to protect the left-handed hitters in Texas lineup because. Garcia did that, and Corey Seager, as you, as you heard in the the Duke's intro with that massive bomb, that was the hardest hit ball, I think, in the World Series since they started keeping track of that stuff, and man, he just ripped that. That was a rope to right field, two-run shot, gave uh, Texas a 3 nothing lead. But, so you got Seager left-handed bat, you got Evan Carter left-handed bat. 
where exactly how do you how do you shuffle the lineup? You either got to bring in Travis Jankowski or Robbie Grossman if you're the Rangers. Grossman is a switch hitter. Maybe that makes more sense. Uh, Jankowski had a better season, uh, but he's a right uh, left-handed batter. Pardon me. So, uh, where do you go from there? Hard to say. So, uh, game number three goes tonight, and uh, it'll be Mantiply versus Heaney. Uh, so. Heaney's another guy. He, he could walk 10 guys in the first two innings, and Mantiply's actually been okay as a spot starter. So uh, game number four tonight, but Texas has been just doing it on the road, on the road. So it is Halloween, Duke. Did you... What would your best costume have been? I mean, I, I went out on a limb yesterday. I sent, the, I sent it out. I sent the picture of Gregor and I out from 20 years ago. Um... I mean, it was a mistake to dress up as Gregor. A terrible mistake. Like, no one talked to me all night in the bar. It was awful. <laughs> I had no no sniff. Nothing happened. Um, do you have a best costume? Send us in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Did you have a wardrobe malfunction? What about some of the best or worst candy that you hand out or you would get as a kid, but maybe handing out? I don't think many of our listeners are going out to get some, but hey, you never know. Uh, Duke, did you ever have a, like I'm, a, a I'm crazy, think, crazy costume? I've or? never been a huge uh, costume guy. And then even up through my um, kind of early adult years when Halloween kind of takes on a new meaning with the, the parties and the going out and stuff, my ambition was always to get a costume that f- was as like um it didn't it restrict me or constrain yeah, like or just cool re- well regular clothes because i was like who wants to put on face paint or have this big gaudy costume when all of a sudden you have to like be out and moving around bars for like three hours i just wasn't really to that scene but uh going back when i was a kid um i loved like um the uh, spider-man when i was really little that was my favorite superhero so maybe that Spider-Man. one otherwise <laughs> Otherwise, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Nothing really jumps out at me, Kev. I wasn't ever well, a, a big Halloween guy. Uh, send us a text. I also want to see if any uh, listeners can remember. There were a couple things that uh, happened at the uh, Heritage Classic on Sunday that sort of slipped my mind because I was sort of in a bit of a fog yesterday, like most of the city, I think, after a long day of uh, partaking in some... Uh, fellowship on uh, Sunday from, you know, a good 12-hour shift or whatever it was. So there was a a song by uh, uh, King Harvest. Now, that's another one, Duke. If you can get that on for a break, it was uh, Dancing in the Moonlight. Like, it was so cool in the stands when that song came on. And this song is 50 years old or or so. It's got to be over 50 years old. But it was really cool to hear most of the crowd singing along to an old song. So I think it was a popular uh, moment and people, it, it kind of reminded me, it wasn't to the stage of, uh, of uh, you know, when you hear the songs in the seventh and eighth inning uh, at ball games and, you know, at Fenway with Sweet Caroline and all that stuff. But because uh, it was early on, you know, in the game, and but it was neat. Uh, then the second part, and I, this was where it was kind of hard to hear. So... If uh, a listener can help out, maybe had a better listening point, uh, in uh, one of the intermissions, they interviewed Zach Hyman. And this was on, so I guess it would, the, the, the in-house announcer would have been hired by the NHL. This was an NHL production. 
the in-house announcer, I'm not sure exactly who it was, but he was interviewing Zach Hyman, and I'm quite sure that twice he called Zach Hyman Luke Hyman, twice during the interview. So if you can send me a note, send a text in one 401 When you looked on the on the Jumbotron, the first time I think he said it at the start of the interview, um, Zach kind of went, uh, well, let's just get this kind of over with. You know, you want to get back to the room. And, you know, so the guy asked a couple questions and, you know, those intermission interviews are always hard. You never know. Uh, well, when you're winning, they're much easier, obviously, but when you're on the losing end, uh, they're tougher. But fortunately for Zach Hyman, he was uh, on the winning end at that point. So I can't remember the dude's name, and I don't. I, to be honest with you, he never really looked familiar. I don't know where he came from. Um, but <laughs> so anyway, uh, Corey the fire guy, he goes, yeah, you mean Luke Hyman, Luke Hyman. Uh, and he did it while talking to Fogel in the first intermission. Okay, I didn't see that one uh, on the Jumbotron. Then also to Hyman in the second. So, uh, Corey, what did he say? He must have been at the game. Did he call Warren Fogel Luke as well? I don't know. Um, <laughs> man, but everyone in our section, we're looking at each other and going, did he just say that? Did he really? He called Zach Hyman Luke Hyman? I don't know. Northside Norm, yes. At the intermission, poor interviewer kept calling Zach Hyman Luke. And, of course, Zach is too kind to correct him. Uh, Oh, okay. So then Corey says he asked Fogel about Luke Hyman's first period. (laughs) Man. I'll I'll tell you what. Here's the other thing. When you're doing those interviews... There's no question that the producer is saying something in your ear. He's going on and saying, hey, no, uh, no, 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 you know, but it's loud and you can't hear stuff and you're talking, but probably need to get that one right. Probably do. And we've all made a million mistakes in the broadcast industry. That one was uh, quite humorous and quite, uh, I don't know. I don't think it it, it went uh, over too well in our section and can tell you that. So it is trade deadline day in the NFL, two o'clock our time. Funny that on trade deadline in the NFL, uh, there was a big trade in the NBA overnight. James Harden sent uh, from Philly with a couple other guys to the Clippers for well, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin. Then now we got the picks. 2028 unprotected first. Two second round picks. 2029 swap. Um, lots of moving parts here. Let this serve as an example on NFL's trade deadline day. Why aren't there more trades on NFL deadline day? Don't know. Don't know. Uh, maybe Arafa San can... Uh, Address that. He's going to join us at 7.20. uh, Talk about, well, I guess mostly Kirk Cousins. Uh, He's based out of uh, Minnesota, Araf is. So uh, we'll talk about Kirk Cousins, and he's gone for the year. Where do the Vikings go now? Come in with a record of 4-4 and after ripping off their third straight win over a hapless Green Bay Packers team. Um, Still two games back of Detroit in the division. 
Two out of the last three games are against Detroit. Those two teams face off. Lions and Vikings, two out of the last three games of the season. The, the, the division could very well be decided there if Minnesota can hang in. At 8 o'clock, we will check in with Mark Spector, Roger Sportsnet, on the mark for Booster Juice. Frank Saravalli hopefully had a safe trip back to uh, Philadelphia. Uh, he will guest with us at 8.20. What a, man, that would have been a busy weekend for the Saravalli family. Hopefully Frank's flight, Duke, went back a little bit better than on the way here. What do you say? He had to, he had to stop in Denver. Uh, he probably did about seven shows while he was in Denver. <laughs> and then uh, made his way up here. Uh, he was here for the Rangers game on Thursday, and then he was here of course, for the uh, Heritage Classic on Sunday. So, Big Frank at uh, 8.20. Grant Fuhrer, he was here. And now, I wanted to try to hook up with Grant, but every time that I kind of looked at his schedule and saw uh, where he what he was doing, he was busy. Man, those guys, they had the alumni running around, running around pretty good, right from Thursday from the Hall of Fame game with Dougie Waite, Charlie Huddy. Uh, so they had those guys running around quite a lot for three, four days. At uh, 9.20, uh, whoa, boy, an old teammate of Grant Fears, Doug Hicks will join us. The former NHLer uh, played one season. Uh, it was Grant Fears' first season in Edmonton, and then uh, Hicks, he went on to play uh, several other years uh, across the NHL, and then also played some time in Europe. Started out in uh, in Minnesota, Doug Hicks, and he was actually the sixth overall draft pick uh, in 1974 to the old Minnesota North Stars. So Doug Hicks will uh, guess with us at 9.20. How about uh, at 10.20, Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. Now, this is a reporter who has a resume. She has covered everything from, well, I don't know, upwards of 30 Super Bowls to the Olympics. She's... uh, uh, you know, in Hall, Hall of Fames and things like that. She is uh, at the top of her game and looking forward to that. And then at 1040, hey, Brett Hedekin, San Jose Sharks, uh, color analyst, uh, will guess with this uh, with Grant Fuhr as well. And boy, the Sharks off to a rough start, 0-8-1. How can they turn things around? If you've got a text, send it our way, one 1440 What did you think of uh, Luke Hyman? being interviewed at the intermission, or what about anything Halloween-orientated? Shoot us off one, one 401 When we come back, we will check in with Arif Hassan uh, covering the Minnesota Vikings. It's trade deadline day in the NFL. Stay with us. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Duke, I was expecting something like the Monster Mash and things like that. Like, I, I'm like the Monster Mash, you know? It was a graveyard... I mean, what are we at here? Like, it's Halloween, man. No comment? Prince uh, wow. Prince basically was wearing a costume all the time. <laughs> no. I and mean, he, he had the artist formerly known as Prince. That's like a, a pseudonym, did, a moniker. Did you, do you, we have the monster? Ma- like, I mean, that's the number one Halloween dig, song, I'll have right? I'll to dig a little deeper into the library here and see if we do <laughs> got it. I know there's tons of Christmas music in here. I'm not too sure about... Uh, the Halloween music per se, but I'll do some looking. All looking right, for yeah, you. just you know, just a little monster mash. You know, I mean, just to get everyone in the mood here. We're we're about well, less than twelve hours away from trick or treating, but I mean, holy cow, people are fired up for today. Uh, send us in a text. Do you have a uh, a best costume you wore? The 
the worst costume? Did you have a wardrobe malfunction with it? Uh, maybe some of the best candy that you could get or hand out even today. You know, uh, everyone in town probably knows a guy by the name of Daryl McDonald. Uh, Daryl uh, was the pro, the director of golf, whatever you want to call it, at Millwoods for about 70 years. But his place was the best place, it probably still is, the best place for Halloween trick-or-treaters and... Not just the kids. The adults were treated just as well uh, back the last time that I was there at Daryl. So maybe Daryl is having the similar spread. We're talking, well, I mean, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the parents are getting a little um, treat as well, but the kids get a lot. Uh, so Daryl does it upright. Well, a lot of people do it upright, but that's just the one that I remember. Uh, you know, going over and kind of partaking in certain Halloween festivities. Uh, hope you're doing well, Daryl. Uh, all good. So we're waiting to hook up with uh, Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post uh, to check in with the NFL trade deadline. Send us off a text, one 401 Why are there no or very little... Trade trades made in the NFL on trade deadline day. When you look at the NHL, there are dozens. Sometimes you're into the triple digits. Draft picks are swapped. I mean, there might be more movement and more players moved today in that NBA trade. That's a possibility than the amount of trades that are done in the NFL today, which makes absolutely no sense. It's just crazy. You know, in that NBA trade, let's just uh, have a quick look on the pieces involved. All right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, eleven, about a dozen moving parts to that trade. So last year, there was 12 trades done in the NFL, I believe. So why isn't there more trades in the in the NFL? Why? There are is it because of the salary cap? Is it because GMs just they never really got to that stage where that's how they were or are building their team? Duke, do you have a, a reason? Duke doesn't have a reason. He's just shaking his head. He's still trying to find the monster mash. <laughs> and he's trying to get uh uh Arif Hassan on the line. Uh Victor says NFL trades during the season are hard because of the amount of knowledge needed for playbooks. Hard to go to a new team and learn entire new system and playbook in one week. I don't buy that. Sorry, Victor. Uh, These guys can pick up things in a second. You're telling me that a guy like like last night when you watch Devontae Adams, he had a half dozen targets or so. He only had one catch for 11 yards. Devontae Adams could pick up an NFL playbook in less than a week. Guys get thrown into games in the middle of a game where they're unfamiliar with what play is going to be called and still come up and make the play. Don't buy that one. Sorry, Victor. Don't buy it. Last night in the NFL, Detroit 26, Vegas 14. 
Jameer Gibbs had 189 total yards plus the touchdown. It was the first Monday night football game in Detroit since 2018. However, the Lions made several uh, plays. They, they didn't execute on, let's call it, a half dozen good ones. A half dozen plays where they failed to execute at a championship-level team. So, are they there yet? Not a chance. Can they get there? A lot of people think so. They're 6-2 and two right now. The only team that's better than, than the Lions in the NFC uh, is uh, Philadelphia, record-wise. Eagles with a 7-1 record. So, the Lions can get there. But... They still need to clean a lot of areas up. They had close to 500 yards of offense last night. 500 yards. Like that, that's a lot. Uh, That's a lot of offense. Last night, head coach uh, Dan Campbell said, basically, it was the tip of the iceberg. That's his quote on Jamar Gibbs. 189 yards combined offense. Um, Lions head coach Dan Campbell said, you could tell. He was feeling it. Uh, and he actually had a heck of a celebration in the stands uh, going up and, and really enjoying the moment with the Detroit Lions uh, faithful. So he had 152. You know what? Even when you look at what was going on on the ground, he had 152 yards in 26 attempts. But that first series, he touched the ball every time. The only time that he didn't touch the ball on the uh, opening uh, series, I think they had a, uh, just a dump pass to Sam Laporta. So, hey, looks like we've got uh, Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post on. So uh, that will be our pigskin report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Stop in now for an oil change. No appointment necessary. Be winner ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations. Check out MrLube.com as we welcome in Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post. Good morning, Arif. Thanks for uh, joining us on Sports 1440. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I guess uh, you've been getting a few calls, a few questions about uh, what the uh, Minnesota Vikings are going to do now with Kirk Cousins gone uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, Do you think that they kind of go in-house with uh, rookie Jaron Hall? Uh, Nick Mullins is coming back off of uh, injured reserve in a couple of weeks, and then also Sean Mannion. Uh, rejoined uh, the team's practice rod. Is this an in-house solution, Arif? Yeah, I think the most likely thing is that they'll stay in a house, at least for now. I'm sure that they've got a couple of quarterbacks that they on free agency that they might call in a couple of weeks if it's not working out, but I don't think that they'll plumb the trade market or anything like that um, before the deadline. I think that they'll stay in-house. Is there anyone out there on you know, on the market, on the block, as far as a trade deadline acquisition uh, is a solution for this team? Um, Yeah, I I don't know that they're going to be super enthusiastic, but there are, you know, players and free agencies that they could be interested in. People like uh, Carson Wentz, uh, Matt Ryan, Colt McCoy, those are all potential options that they could sign in free agency. And then, of course, on the trade market, there are a number of players that they could be interested in. People like, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett with the Washington Commanders, Andy Dalton with the Carolina Panthers, um, a number of players that could be made available, um, but you would have to wait as they get used to the playbook and understand um, 
you know, everything that the Vikings do on offense. Uh, Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post is our guest on Sports 1440. Does Ryan Tannehill fit into that mix? Uh, he does. You do have to wonder about kind of his injury situation. Um, because the Titans do have a number of players, people like Will Levis and Malik Willis, that can play quarterback right away, um, they might be willing to trade Tannehill because, you know, he's at the, he's near the end of his contract. Um, he's not going to be a long-term solution for the Titans. Uh, and that would be a pretty ideal situation, given that he's got familiarity with the type of offense the Vikings run. That's certainly something that could be uh, on the Vikings' radar. Arif Hassan's our guest on Sports 1440. So, Arif, what's the mood, the feeling now in Minnesota after the uh, injury to Kirk Cousins on Sunday? Uh, it's pretty somber. I mean, people were pretty excited about the type of football he was playing. I think it was probably the best football of his career, especially over the past three games. He was playing pretty lights out. Uh, and so uh, seeing him go down right after um, they turned the season around, an 0-3 star turning into a 500 season, uh, having a signature win against the San Francisco 49ers on prime time, I really felt like this was the year that Cousins could prove that he has um, everything you need in order to be successful as a quarterback, especially in the playoffs. Uh, so it was it was pretty somber. But, you know, the NFL doesn't give you a lot of time to process these things. So uh, the Vikings are already emotionally moving on. I don't know about, you know, the fan base or anything like that. It was, it was uh, pretty disappointing. What's uh, uh, Cousins' contract situation? I know he was kind of waiting for something here at the end of the year. What, what's that kind of look now like now moving forward? Uh, it's it's increasingly complicated. I think at the end of the year, people were trying to, uh, both Cousins and the Vikings were waiting on the conclusion of the season to figure out whether or not they wanted to continue contract negotiations. They were negotiating uh, during the off season, and then they cut negotiations short right before the season began and said that they would push all of their negotiations until the end of the season before they decided to pursue an uh, extension. At the end of the year, as it stands right now, Cousins is scheduled to be a free agent. Now I don't know what they'll do because they wanted the results of the season in order to kind of determine how uh, they'll progress. Cousins is 34 years old. Uh, he's near the end of his career probably. You know, you can never tell with a quarterback. Uh, and, and the Vikings are probably poised at some point uh, to move on and try and find the quarterback of the future. But we don't know if that's going to be, you know, this season or a couple seasons down the road. Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Arif, why do you think there are not a lot of trades, there is not a lot of movement on NFL trade deadline day? A lot of it is because it's just really difficult to fit a player into your offense or defense. Um, you only have, you know, 17 games, 18 weeks in the NFL, uh, and so you don't have a lot of time on uh, to get a player ready for your offense or defense. And, and that's part of the reason why the trades that do happen are often along the defensive line where knowing the playbook is just a little bit less important than uh, a player like at quarterback. You know, when the Vikings traded for T.J. Hawkinson last year, it was really unusual, especially the fact that he played right away because it is just so difficult to pick up an NFL playbook. So that's a big part of it, not knowing kind of the chemistry that that player is going to have on your team is going to be a big part of it. But there's just so few games available in the season anyway, you don't have a lot of time to sacrifice uh, to something like a trade. Well, we've got a lot of text coming in here, uh, Arif Hassan, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Victor, hey man, I guess I apologize to you. Victor said NFL trades during the season are hard because of the amount of knowledge needed for playbooks. Hard to go to a new new team 
with a new system in one week, okay? Then he says, wait for a guy to learn the playbook. That's what you're saying, and he's given me uh, the gears. Another one comes in from DJ. The reason there are no trades, it's not about a new player learning the playbook. Players are traded now. The playbook from the team they are traded from, so it's info the other teams want. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Uh, a fair point. Mm-hmm. I'm Victor. Sorry, man. I I still think, and I, I say this to you, Arif. I think these players are smart enough where they can learn on the fly and learn. I mean, they still got the better part of well over half a season here. I mean, they played eight games. Some teams have played seven, but I I think that the ability is there to learn and to get acclimatized to a new system. Uh, do you disagree or agree with that, Arif? Yeah, I, I think it's there. I think NFL teams sometimes overemphasize that aspect of it, but I do think it plays a role in how hesitant people are. Um, another big part of it is just it kind of depends on what you're looking for in a trade. At quarterback, you do have to learn the offense in a way that is mm-hmm. not really as true for a receiver or an offensive lineman or something like that. So it does depend on the position a little bit. I mean, we've seen receivers traded in the NFL too, so it's not an enormous barrier. And like I said last year, we saw T.J. Hawkinson fit into the offense immediately without any familiarity. Um, right. As to the point about kind of um, you know selling your own playbook, um, you know I, I think that that one makes sense. But so, there's so much churn at the bottom of a roster that if a team really wanted access to another team's playbook, they could sign them off of another team's practice squad. Or you know, given that you know players spend a lot of time in training camp anyway, I don't think that that one's that important. But I think that is a pretty important consideration. Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post is our guest on Sports 1440. So Arif, do you see a little more action today than last year? What's your take? What's your read on what we're going to see uh, for the 2 o'clock Edmonton time deadline this afternoon? Uh, I think that we're probably going to see a little bit less action than last year. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because, you know, someone who covers the Vikings a little bit more closely, seeing Mm -hmm. T.J. Hawkinson move, is very present in my mind. But it's just, I think that there are fewer teams that are in a situation where it makes sense to trade for a player, uh, especially because the players that people have talked about, people like, for example, you know, Daniil Hunter locally or Jacoby Brissett or any other names that have been bandied about, a lot of teams don't seem willing to sell. I think that that's the biggest point is that the teams that have players available, they're a little bit fewer and far in between. So I think we're going to have a more relaxed trade deadline this year than last year. So, Arif, is there a team that you might see make a little more of a splash that's kind of sitting on the edge here trying to find the one little piece that maybe can push them over the top? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a team, you know, made a move for somebody like a Brian Burns in Carolina or something like that, you know, where a team uh, hasn't been able to get a contract extension done for a player that's pretty high quality um, that, you know, for a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, And that could be, you know, somebody like, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs could look for a pass rusher opposite, um, you know, Chris Jones, uh, or um, you could find a team uh, like the Miami Dolphins who've had a couple of injuries on defense um, try try and figure things out. Uh, as they kind of get prepared uh, because they're favorites for the end of the season. Arif Hassan's our guest from Wide Left Post on Sports 1440. Arif, uh, I'm sure you had a, a keen eye on what happened last night in the uh, Detroit-Vegas game. Lions win at 26-14, move uh, two games ahead of Minnesota in the division. But two out of the three games that uh, close out the season, uh, the two teams uh, hook up. Do you think Minnesota can still make a push to uh, catch Detroit 
uh, in the division despite the loss of Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, obviously the Lions are a very good team, and it kind of depends on how well they do uh, as as it goes forward. But, um, you know, the Vikings have been playing increasingly good football. Uh, you know, I think their defense is finally turning things around, and it could, be, it could be a strength of the team. And when they get Justin Jefferson back in a couple of weeks, um, they'll have uh, a really good offensive line, a really good receiving core um, all together to put with the quarterback. And so if Jaron Hall turns out to be, or, you know, whoever they acquire, guy could be wrong, right? Um, if whoever they have turns out to be enough of a game manager that they can do just a couple of explosive plays here and there, create a couple of points, and if that defense has truly turned things around, um, they could keep pace with the Lions, who have had a little bit of struggle with Jared Goff. They've had a little bit of struggle in the red zone. We saw that against the Raiders, um, where you know, they could falter here or there. That'll give them some opportunities um, for the Vikings to be able to catch up. Do you think, um, is there something on that defense that Minnesota is doing differently the last couple of games uh, that you said that the defense is starting to come around a little bit? I think, you know, uh, schematically they're doing a lot of similar stuff. I think it's just more that the defense is more um, acclimatized to the type of defense that are running. It's a unique defense. No one else is blitzing as much as they do uh, in the NFL, and it puts a lot of stress on a couple of different players. People like, you know, the cornerbacks in the secondary. Um, the communication in those situations is really crucial, and so not having a lot of time together, like at the beginning of the season, I think really created some problems for them. So as they become uh, more comfortable with what that defense is doing, um, I think we've seen um, a lot of improvement in the way that they play and how effectively you know they do the kinds of things that you know this unique defense demands of them. Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post is our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Well, you know, Arif, uh, in in Canada, the NHL trade deadline is almost like a national holiday because there's so much action going on. <laughs> so, what would a guy like yourself do on a day like today, or is it just sort of like a, more of a whole hum kind of day in the NFL reporting world? Uh, it's definitely more of a ho-hum day in the NFL reporting world just because, um, like you mentioned, not as much happens. You know, if, if as much happened at the NBA uh, trade deadline or uh, even the, the baseball trade deadline, yeah. um, I think a lot more reporters would be kind of tuned in, and certainly I'll be paying attention. You know, there's no question that I'll be at my computer making sure um, that I've got access to kind of everything that's happening. But, you know, for the most part, very little happens in the NFL on trade deadline day, and so it's just very difficult to um, – not continue uh, business as normal. Well, appreciate your time, Arif. Uh, keep tabs on what the Vikings may or may not do uh, today uh, because, uh, again, uh, that that's just a crushing blow to, to lose their number one quarterback, especially when everything seemed to – and with Jefferson gone too, man, oh, man, they've, they've suffered more injuries, I would say. Is that fair to say they've suffered more injuries at key positions than any other team in the league? Yeah, I think, you know, losing your two best players on offense, I I don't know that any other team has had quite that particular injury luck. I think it's fair to say that this is, you know, probably the most devastating uh, string of injuries in the NFL. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, We'll talk soon. Uh, Enjoy the Vikings' uh, next little bit of a run here. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Arif Hassan, wide left post for our pigskin report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Be winner ready at Mr. Lube. Victor and I are having a little uh, uh, toe-to-toe going on. Uh, I appreciate your text, Victor. Yeah, of course. Of course they could wing it, but there are literally hundreds of plays to learn. In a tight situation, teams and players will make it work as best they can, like Hawkinson. 
but not ideal. I think that's kind of what you're texting, Victor. Yeah. So, uh, hey, listen, I agree about the playbook. I agree in the sense that uh, maybe more so about other teams learning or giving up information. However, I think these players can, I mean, you just said Hawkinson. The quarterback position, yeah, a little bit different. Yes. But guys still come in. I mean, Brock Purdy came in and basically, yes, he was involved in the organization, had the playbook and things like that. But you still have to execute. You still have to execute. Uh, text comes in. Uh, f- this was kind of a, an interesting take. I'm going to say the point at which the deadline is. Hockey, it's about 60 to 70% of the season finished. Football, it's at 50%, 45% uh, with the extra week now. Uh, Love this one from Brendan. Hopefully it isn't Victor Quee you're arguing with. (laughs) That That would be a good debate. There'd be a lot of things to talk about there, wouldn't there, Duke? Uh, when we come back, uh, a little, uh, maybe we'll have the monster mash, Duke. I don't know. Or do we have dancing in the moonlight? Have we got anything? Any of my requests? Yes, Duke, do we? Oh yeah, Kev, we got it. Thanks, buddy. Are you, what are you eating? Are you eating a bag of chips over there or something? No, I'm not eating a <laughs> what, bag of chips. Are you chips. like, are you, did you, did you, did you go into someone's Halloween candy early or something or what's going on here? There is rumors of a uh, little Halloween festivities here around the Stingray yes, Studios later this afternoon. So I might, uh, once we wrap up, have to check that out, get a little candy stash for my afternoon. I think it was 12 o'clock, right? There's a little, you can go from uh, um, like just station to station, I mm-hmm. believe. And you're going to check that out? Of course, I'm here. I <laughs> might uh, myself and Connor Halley might have tried to whip something up last minute because I doubt anybody else here in the uh, the uh, skeleton crew, no pun intended, of the uh, Sports 1440 <laughs> compared to the other stations here. Uh, I doubt anybody else got anything drummed up. So maybe me and Connor will sprint down the mall and see if we can get a few decorations and some candy or something. Yeah, why wouldn't you guys? Man, what like, else do I we mean, got to do? All the stores here would be just busy, wouldn't they? Be like they would be handing out stuff, would they? I not? would or? think so. I asked Connor about that yeah. last week because I didn't grow up in the city, and I know in Red Deer there's a thing where you can go trick or treating in the mall. So I have to assume that West Ed does something comparable. Even you could go next door here, like at Bubba Gump's, get like a boat, like a handful <laughs> of raw shrimp. And just have just, those in like a bowl, yeah. like one of those shrimp cocktail bowls. Nah, not even, not just raw shrimp, like raw, with the tails raw on. Shrimp. Just throw it in your in your little whatever pillow sack or whatever. That's what they probably do in Delburn, right? Take a pillow sack and go. Oh yeah, ton- oh if definitely pillow. I thought you were saying handing out shrimp, and I was like, no, shrimp, <laughs> shrimp, not a particularly popular uh, trick or treating candy in Delburn. But the pillow sack, one hundred percent, that's the move. Do because, you have to because down in the small towns, everybody's handing out. Full cans of soda, full-size chocolate really? bars, big bags of chips. Like, you need a pillowcase and usually even a second pillowcase left in the vehicle. Um, oh, a spare. Because you, you'll fill one up uh, halfway through your route up and down the country roads. What's the, the like, Tootsie Rolls got to be the worst ones to get, right? Those, like, those small little Tootsie Roll I would, candies. Yeah, like, I think that's more of a, and it's. Like, my dad really loves Tootsie Rolls. I think oh. that's kind of a past generation thing. Like, I think they stink. They stick to your dentures yeah, and they're, everything. they're bad. They're like, bad. I don't know if you have dentures, but that's what happens. Uh, when we come back, top of the hour, uh, Mark Spector, then Frank Saravalli uh, from the Daily Faceoff. Uh, a little bit more of open line text time with Victor. He's sending me a couple more, so we'll get back to uh, Tricky Vicky when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. See, now, now you're in the spirit, Duke. You gotta get in the spirit, man. That a boy, Duke. Look at the Duke. Oh. <laughs> so uh 
Vic, uh, Victor and I are getting uh, going back and forth. Ask Eddie Steele about this question, KK. I'm going to ask him. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for that, Victor. So then Victor sent this article from uh, Sports Illustrated in 2014, 10 years ago. Uh, Brain Games, a top neuroscientist, explains how difficult it is to master an NFL playbook. Uh, Well, I'm not a rocket surgeon, Victor, but uh, if some guys, I mean, I think... Yes, they're complicated, but you have to be able to understand what's being put in front of you or else, I mean, if you don't have the ability to, to comprehend um, the, um, the, the, the the language of what's being put forth, a lot of it is just terminology, I think. Uh, and we're going to, this will be great to talk to Eddie about it on Friday for sure. So again, and I, if, if you're saying that players are, uh, teams are susceptible to players divulging playbook information well then no one would get traded so it's going to be a great one for friday uh i appreciate your text victor uh and i like the article too uh from uh 2014 it's a a, a neurologist explaining it so appreciate that uh man we uh kind of flip-flopped the the brakes there sorry duke and then uh we had uh uh, a late uh, arrival with Arif Hassan. So we got to get to another break here. Mark Spector at the top of the hour uh, from Rogers Sportsnet on the mark. But before that, a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays. You could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here's the Duke.